just just truth and advertising. This is not a devotional. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't tell Jay beforehand what it was. He figured we you're in church. It must be a churchy thing. It this is one of those books to read when you're to, to give to someone who maybe is asking you know what is life? That's what the book's about. Is there you know, any purpose in life? Is it a divine comedy? or divine tragedy. So it's a little bit deeper. Uh, not your comedic on the toilet reading. Okay, so did I say that? Should, I shouldn't have said that. I felt the, I felt the atmosphere <laughs> change. Okay, what do we do when you've mentioned toilet in church? Okay, uh, well, you're going to hear all kinds of things here that you might not hear someplace else, so uh, there was something else I was supposed to mention. Okay, we got Hona and Allison. Uh, am I, I had this sense I'm forgetting something. Am I forgetting something? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve, you, Steve's raising his hand. You first. Oh, yeah. The, uh, the craft group that meets once a month is canceled after this. Uh, and then secondly, there's a new small group that's starting. Actually, uh, I'm helping lead it, several of us. And... Next Friday, which is Good Friday, we're doing a Seder dinner. If you've never done a Seder dinner before, you don't know what that is. The Passover meal was celebrated by uh, Jewish people for, you know, millennia. And it is a meal that just phenomenally portrays the gospel. And so it's something that, uh, like my friend Rich Nathan, that's how he came to Christ, was he went to a Seder meal. He was raised uh, Orthodox Jew in New York City. Actually, he lived just a few blocks from my wife, Kathy. They never knew each other. And he, was, he went to a Seder meal where Christians had this meal that he had eaten his whole life. And they explained these five parts and what, how they explained the gospel. And he, he met Christ in it. And so hopefully you've already met Christ. But if you haven't, this is an interesting opportunity. Uh, we'll tell you a little bit more about that next Sunday. So uh, we've been doing a little series about how to uh, engage in the mission of God in the everyday rhythms of life. And one of the everyday rhythms of life we want to talk about is listening to God. Now, listening to God's an interesting thing. Sometime in the last week or so, here's what, uh, you might have caught this on the news. A pretty well-known politician who's fairly high up in the government mentioned that they hear from God, that God speaks to them. And then a pretty well-known talk show host mentioned in response to that, that usually when people say they hear from God, that's a sign of mental illness. Of course, a little brouhaha ensued, a little dust up about that. There were some apologies exchanged, and you know, uh, which was good, but it, it was a perfect example of the whole idea of hearing from God. It tends to be a little bit of a controversial subject. And for many people of faith, you know, the whole idea of having a relationship with God means there's got to be some kind of communication, right? But it's also perplexing to most Christians is, how does that work? It seems like my hearing from God is sort of hit and miss. And maybe, if you're honest, more miss than hit. So today what I want to do is just talk about the whole idea of hearing from God and how we can, you may not realize this, but the vineyard, in fact, all the people of God throughout history, we 
are part of a people who have a legacy, a rich legacy, a legacy that's richer than you probably appreciate, of hearing from God, that God actually speaks to people, that he speaks to people in the everyday stuff of life. Well, I want to take you, I want to, I'm just going to, we're going to immerse you just for a few minutes in stories of God speaking to people in the everyday stuff of life. That, that it, this is something that I think sometimes it's so obvious, it's so staring us in the face that it, it, we, we miss it. So Jesus grew up in a community, a Jewish community, and his nation their whole story, every major person in it, at every major section of their history was shaped by God speaking to them. You can't read the history of Israel and not notice it is just one story of God speaking after another, after another, after another, after another, after another, after another. I mean, the story of creation just, I want you to just track with me just for a second. We're going to just zip through this. We're not going to, we're going to kind of like be a stone skipping on the top of the lake. The very first line in the Bible says, in the beginning, God said. It starts, everything started with God speaking. And when God speaks, what, what that line does as you read the book is it sets you up to appreciate the fact that when God speaks, it's creative, it's powerful, it's life-changing. And then all these stories continue to illustrate that. And then you see as God speaks, it shapes everything. Just like it started everything, it shapes everything, changes everything, stops some things, starts other things. That when God speaks, it's a game changer. And so the patriarchs, if you go after creation, there's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph. Their whole lives were marked by God speaking to them. The very direction of their lives changed over and over and over because God spoke to them. He spoke to them in the most everyday mundane circumstances. In situations like you and I, where we live, work, play, and learn, which is where we want to do disciple-making, that's where God speaks to us. And you see these stories. Like, like in the Exodus, after the Jewish people were all in Egypt for 400 years, and they became slaves, God sent Moses. And God triggered the whole thing with Moses. Moses was out shepherding a flock, and he ran into a burning bush. And God spoke while he was at work. And it changed the course of history. And they're out in the wilderness and they're out after they all are delivered from slavery in Egypt. And they're out in the wilderness in the desert and, they're, and they run out of water and they go, God, where are you? Did you, you know, did you lead us out here to die? And God speaks to Moses and says, go over on that big rock and strike the rock and water is going to come out of it. Now, that's a that's a step of faith. And he goes and stands on the rock. And God says, I'm going to stand right beside you. And water is going to flow out. And so he takes his shepherd's staff, strikes the rock. And a spring bubbles up that can feed tens of thousands. I mean, that can, that, can, that can serve tens of thousands of people. Hey, is this, Eric, could you try to 
this has got, got an echo for me. I don't know if it has an echo for you or can I look at it. It's just my voice. I have one of those Charlton Heston voices that echoes, echo, echo, no. Uh, there's a story in, so creation, the patriarchs, the judges, so after they've settled in Israel, there was a young man uh, named Gideon, and during a really difficult time, he is in this wine press, he's threshing wheat, which is not what you typically did in a wine press, but they did that, he was in hiding, because that's the only way that you could get enough food before these marauding bands of, of enemies would come and steal everything that you produced. And God spoke to him right there. And he ended up being this great leader. And he was a real fearful guy. He wasn't the kind of guy you'd think had anything special going for him. But, but God awakened as God spoke to him. It awakened in his heart his destiny. That's one of the things that God does when, when he speaks. He helps us find out who we really are. And we go from someone who is a nobody, and nobody is a nobody, like C.S. Lewis said in his book, The Way to Glory, he says, you've never met an ordinary person. You've, you've met, everyone you meet is an image bearer of God. And they're profound. It might be buried. But when we begin to let God speak to us, who our true self begins to come forward. And we begin to recognize that, that we have the depths of God in our lives. So there's a young guy in, in the, uh, at the end of Judges, right before the kings came along, like King uh, Saul and David and Solomon and all the, the kings of Israel, named Samuel. And as he was a young man working in the, in the temple, God woke him up at night one night and said, Samuel. And he gets up and he runs over to Eli, who's the priest, and he says, what did you want? And Eli goes, I don't want anything. Go back to bed. I didn't call you. And he goes back to bed. And God says, Samuel. And he runs it back into Eli's and wakes Eli up. And Eli goes, get out of here. I'm not waking you up, you know. Go back to bed. God goes, Samuel, Samuel. He runs back in. And, and Eli goes, oh, God's speaking to you, Samuel. Here's what you do. When he speaks to you again, say to God, to the voice you hear, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And so he goes back to sleep. And this time, you know, in, in the translation, it says, God says, Samuel, Samuel. It's like God's, you know, you can tell he's, he's, uh, there's an urgency in this matter. And Samuel says, speak, Lord, the ser your servant's listening. And then this launches his life into this amazing series of experiences. He becomes a leader. And he's just a kid. God speaks to children. And as, you, as we go through the Old Testament, God spoke to saints, God spoke to sinners, God spoke to rich, powerful people, God spoke to nobodies, but everybody he spoke to, it was life-changing. Now, there were people who ignored him, and their life went in a ditch. Because if you, if you ignore God when he speaks to you, and you, you, you ignore his word, you will go in a ditch. It's just the consequences. And God doesn't drive you in a ditch. You just go into it. If you go your own way, you will end up in the ditch. Now, a, there's a lot of people who get used to, you can get used to anything, and you can go, I love driving in the ditch. There's no other cars in the ditch with me. You know, we can make all kinds of rationalizations for the crazy lives that we get ourselves into. But God wants to speak to anybody, anybody that will listen. And so this was the community that Jesus was raised in. It had a legacy of hearing from God. And so we talked about uh, in the last five weeks, five different rhythms, and this is the sixth. 
that they're the everyday rhythms of our lives that, that, that we, that's where we're supposed to engage in the mission of God. We talked about eating. We talked about celebrating. We talked about blessing. We talked about recreating. And we talked about the story. Jason talked about story. And you can see Jesus engaged in each one of those everyday rhythms. And God spoke to him in the middle of those. He was at a, he was at a party, a wedding party. God spoke to him and he turned water into wine. He ate with tax collectors and sinners because God spoke to him to do that. No, none of the other religious people would have anything to do with him. But Jesus did. He recreated with people. Once he was taking his disciples because they were so just worn out because of how busy it was. And on their way to a little retreat, all these people, they were going across the lake, traveled around the lake to meet them. And he saw how hungry they were and desperate they were. And it became an occasion where he did this incredible miracle of multiplying food. And on and on and on. So you see Jesus hearing from God in the everyday rhythms of life. So think about where you live, like your neighborhood, where you work, you know, your job, your office, where you play, the, the gym you go to, teams you are involved in, your kids' sports teams or friends' sports teams or sporting events, where you might go to school and learn, training. You might be a person that trains other people. Those are all the contexts that we're supposed to hear God in. Now, of course, I don't think it needs to be said. We can hear God in private, but the, the story, the story of the Bible is a collection of stories of God speaking to people in these everyday rhythms of life. And when, when religion gets a hold of the truth, it tends to twist it into this unnatural thing where only certain holy people in certain holy places who do certain holy things, that's, they're the ones that, that are to whom God's voice is reserved for. And that's just not true. They're, they're some of the weirdest, troublemaking people you could imagine in the Bible that hear God's word, that God speaks to. And what it's supposed to say to us is, is we, tend, we tend to naturally, and then religion does it, to draw these circles that include some people and exclude other people. And you see Jesus coming along, and he... He observes those circles, and then he just takes the, the circle, and everybody he meets, he just goes like this. He just throws it on the other side of them and says, God wants to speak to you. And then he sees people outside them, and he just picks the circle up, he throws it outside them. Because we, by, sometimes by our own sense of insecurity or sense of disrespecting ourselves and other people, we do this, because, and, we, and many times we have good intentions. But these stories tell us that God is constantly trying to speak to everybody because speaking is the means to relationship. That's what God's after. He's not showing off. He's trying to build relationship. And speaking is the only way it happens. I mean, you get that? You don't tend to be super tight with the person who's on the other end of the microphone at the drive-thru, Right? I mean, if you go to the same place long enough, you might get to know the person that's there. But it isn't like, you know, you're going on vacations together. You know, they're your emergency phone call number. If they're your emergency phone call number, you really need to get out more, okay? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You just don't, because there's, what is it? What's missing? They could be your best friend. 
Those, someone who's sitting there could be, you, could, you guys could be lifelong bosom buddies, but it won't ever happen unless there's communication. And so Jesus, in John 1, it talks about Jesus and it says, in the beginning, and it's, it's echoing back what Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And, and then that passage in John 1 goes on and talks about Jesus, that Jesus is the Word of God. He is how God reveals himself, how God communicates what he's really like to us. It says, if you want to know me, God says, if you want to know me, get to know Jesus. And then Jesus owned that. And he said, I'm revealing God to you. If you see me, you see the Father. And so he talked to people, he communicated. Now, uh, Jesus taught people, let me, let me read this passage to you. And John, Jesus taught his disciples right before he, he was crucified. He says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he'll tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That's why I said the Spirit will take what is mine and make it known to you. He's talking about the fact that all the, he made this promise to all of his followers. He said, the Father speaks to me because the Holy Spirit lives inside me. And because you follow me, the Holy Spirit's going to live inside you and he's going to speak to you. And, he, and earlier in the book of John, he used this, this figure of speech. He said, my sheep those that follow me hear my voice and they know my voice. And that would have been familiar to people who knew that, that flocks of sheep that are tended by shepherds become familiar with that shepherd's voice. And that shepherd's voice is unique and they won't follow another shepherd. They won't follow another voice. And so Jesus is saying that if you have a relationship with, with God through him, God speaks to you. Now, here's the challenge. L let me give you an illustration of it. Okay, uh, Cesar Kalinowski wrote in this book, we've been, a number of us have been reading called Transformed. He told this great story. He said there's a lady that is a friend of his in his church named Jane. And Jane uh, had a job and she was a graphic designer. And someone at her office asked her to do a little personal job, like some stationery or something, uh, just for him, not for work. And so she took some time off and, you know, she like, just because just it's a friend, she charged him $100. And he said, okay, I'll, I'll give you a check. Well, weeks went by, he didn't pay her. And so one day she was on her way to work and she said, God, could you get, could, could you remind Greg to pay me that? Because I need that money. In fact, I got a little, a nice little jacket in mind that I want to buy with that $100. <laughs> and, and, and she said, because, uh, and I need it today. And she's very honest, okay? She said, and I need it today because if I don't get it today, there's going to be trouble. She said, I don't know what that meant, but I'm going to be trouble. So God speaks to her immediately and says, I know you, you want that $100, but I want you, you're going to get that $100 today. And I want you to send that $100 to your friend Debbie. And her friend Debbie lived like, you know, several hours away in another city. She thought, well, God, I have like a little jacket picked out. Come on, I've waited for months for this. And she said, okay, if I get the check today, I'll give it to Debbie. If not, I'm spending it on me. 
pretty honest, right? That's a, that's, a good, that's a good attitude to have. Be honest with God, but also, you know, be willing to do what God says. So she comes to work. She opens her office door, flips the light on, and there's a check on her desk from Greg, $100. So she's sitting there holding the check, and she goes, did I really say I was going to give it away? <laughs> Is this a coincidence? And she goes, no, God spoke to me. So she said, before, before that jacket, the pull of that jacket, like a tractor beam, just pulled her in, she you know, she, uh, uh, what is it, endorsed it, put it in an envelope, put a stamp on it, put it in the mail, forgot about it. A week or so later, she gets a letter, a card from, from Debbie and her husband, and they thank her, and what they tell her is, you don't know what that $100 check meant to us, because we, they just, they were new Christians, we'd just been following Jesus, and we were just learning to give, we've just been learning to give, that tithing is a really important thing, and we, you know, whenever you're kind of in that season of your life, you're trying to get your finances together, they hadn't, they weren't, you know, handling it as well as they could, and they bounced a few checks, and the several checks that they bounced, it was $90, and when, and, and they were so bummed out, they got the $100 check, and they said, this, praise God, you know, we got this $100 gift, we can pay the $90 off, which we didn't have the money to pay for, and then we had $10 to tithe on this gift. And they said, you can't, they, they wrote in the, the note to Jane, you can't believe the impact this made on us because we saw God had our back. He knew what we needed because your check was on the way before all this stuff happened. And we just want to let you know that, that, what a difference you made in, in our lives. And you think $100, big deal. You know, when you're in a tight spot, it can be like life-changing. Plus, it was God was involved in their lives. So how, the, the question is, I want to wind it up with this. If, if we have this legacy as the people of God of hearing from God, why is it that we seem to be so hit and miss in hearing from God? If God's speaking all the time and it's life-changing, how come we seem to be missing it? Have you ever asked that question? Raise your hand if you ask that question, just so I know. Because I'm going to stop if, you, if you're not asking the question. So some of you are tempted just not to raise your hand, just so I'll stop. But there's two things that I've, I've learned in, in my long walk with Jesus. There's two things that are just crucial to hearing from God. There are two questions, and you can ask them over and over and over. In fact, both of them are demonstrated in Jane in that story. And I'll, I'll let me read a, a passage to you where God promises in the book of Psalms. Uh, it's Psalm 32. Here's what God promised. He says, I will instruct you and teach you and the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. However, do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit or bridle, or they, my counsel, will not come near you. So he, he just says something real simple there. He says, are you teachable? Are you teachable? Or are you stubborn? Everybody's stubborn, but are you trying to become teachable? Do you have a posture towards God? God, like like young Samuel was taught by Eli wisely, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Or when God speaks, is it always your response generally, well, if this fits in my plan for my life and what my feelings are telling me and my circumstances are demanding, then I'll do what God wants. Otherwise, I just kind of act like I didn't hear anything because that is far more common attitude in our hearts than, than we usually recognize. And so the psalmist says three things. He says, 
God promises to speak to you. And he says, I, I will speak to you in a way that will guide you and direct you and provide for you and help you, just like I've done throughout history. But he says, don't be stubborn. Because he doesn't want to have to put a bit or a bridle in our mouths like an animal and control us. Because that's not a relationship. And he says, if you're like that, God's instruction won't come near you. Now, what he means by that, it doesn't mean he won't speak to you. But what he says is, it won't profit you because your heart is hard. And remember in the story, uh, the parable that Jesus told about the sower? He says, the sower threw seed, the word God speaking on three or four different kinds of soil. And, he, and one of the kinds of soil was hard. It was along a path where it had been trampled down and it was hard. And the soil hit the path and just sat there. And then it says the birds of the air come and steal it. And the, that seed then that fell on the good soil produced 30, 60, 100 fold. It was like this amazing result. So the issue is not that God, God's word has failed. The issue is, if we're unteachable and we're stubborn and we're self-reliant, then God's word hits a hardened heart and it will get stolen and it won't come near, it won't penetrate our hearts and then it won't produce the fruit. So learning to, to cultivate a, a daily posture of, Lord, speak as your servant's listening. Guide me and incline my heart. Thomas Merton has a famous prayer where he says, God, I want to, even though right, there's parts of me that don't want to please you, I want to want to please you. And I know that desire pleases you. And help that desire to grow in me. And God will help you. Because if you humble yourself, he'll lift you up. Because you're not on your own in this game. And, and so admitting and recognizing where you're stubborn and where you're unteachable and, uh, and owning it, before God and other people, will begin to change your heart. Your heart will begin to become softer, and the word will begin, you'll begin to hear the word, and it won't seem so rare. Because I don't think any of you that know Jesus and had, have had any length of a relationship with him, haven't had seasons in your life where it seemed like God was just like walking alongside you and speaking to you, and it was so rich, and it was so sweet, and there's like this affection in your heart for him, and and God was just at work in your life. And it didn't mean that there, that didn't mean there were hard times also. But it meant that there was this responsiveness in you. Do you, do you where, is, where is your heart at with respect to that? Have any of these stories like stirred you? Like, wow, God spoke. That would be so great if God spoke to me right now. I just encourage you to honestly take stock and say, where am I at? Is, is my heart teachable? Is that something that, that's a characteristic of my life? Second thing is, are we teachable and are we attentive? See, Jane said, okay, God, I'll do what you want. But she was also attentive. God spoke to her, that whisper, that still small voice, and she paid attention. And she had her inner conflict. You heard it in the story, and we all do. People, we don't just jump to it. We struggle with the will of God. But when we say yes, every time we say yes, our attentiveness grows a little bit, and we become a little more aware that, wow, God might be right up where I am. God might be having something to say right where I am now. The places you think God is least active are the places he's most active. A lot of times we've gotten into ruts where we're just not attentive in those places. So simple thing you can do, 
you're, you're bombarded with distractions all day long. You're bombarded with that little device that we carry around with us. That is probably the biggest distraction we have in our lives, right? And yeah, yeah, yeah I hear you begrudgingly. Yeah, I guess so. And, but that little thing is just one of many distractions. And they're not all bad. But God wants us to begin to, he invites us to make space, rhythms of making space in our lives where we can hear from him. And you can do a little thing. You can just do this every day. Now, if, it doesn't work if you only live three minutes from work, okay? But if you drive any distance to work, five, ten minutes or more, I encourage you, every time you drive to work and back from work, don't put any music on, don't put anything on, and just say, God, I'm giving you this space. I'm just going to listen. You're worth me just giving you this time. If you want to say anything, I'm all ears. If you don't and you just want to hang with me, I'm just going to hang with you. But I want to open my heart up and create space. And what you're doing is you're creating a rhythm in your life. If you create that space, your attentiveness will grow. And you may do that day after day after day and not feel like any big Eureka revelation from God is happening, but I promise you, you will start seeing that space grow and your attentiveness to God grow in all these other places where you're busy. And, but it, it means you have to create space somewhere in your life every day because you create space for everything else that's important to you, don't you? So here's what I want to do. Let me see if I can uh, get this up. I think that it's possible that, and this is the right one is not coming up, Eric. It's always this. We had this all set up before church. We read Apple TV. See the three there? I did it. Everyone just talk amongst yourselves. All right. All right. All right. We're in. Let me, let me, let's do this. So trying to make it larger. I just want to close with a song. And I, I think that God's maybe engaging us and he's inviting us. And so I want to, before I put this song on, I just want to leave some space here, just three or four minutes, just to be quiet and say, God, and, and take stock of your heart, and not verbally, but just in your own heart, say, God, I recognize I'm not as teachable. If, you haven't, if you're not as teachable as you used to, say, God, I want to get back there. I want to acknowledge that before you right now, and I just ask that your spirit who lives inside me, would begin to do a work on my heart and soften my heart, to be willing to say yes to you again and to, and to be attentive to you, that I'm sowing some time, these few moments here, just to be attentive. So just close your eyes and grab that little bit of time here. I pray, Lord, we just want to give you this space just for a couple of minutes where we uh, listen to you. So I'm going to put a, a video with a worship clip on screens. And it's a song that we've sung for years here. And it's got this prayer in it that I want to encourage you to pray. And as you pray, if you, if you hear God inviting you be, to grow and teachable, being teachable, to grow and being attentive, as you, as you sing this song, let's just sing it together. I just want, if, if, if it's an invitation that God's giving you today, then just as you sing it, you just, you just stand. And there's no, you know, there's no comparison. It, God, may, this may be something that's already going on in your life. So let's not make any comparisons. But just respond to the Lord. It's important. Faith always, always requires a response. And it's a simple one to, to get the ball rolling. And then after the song finishes, we'll, we're done. Unless you want prayer for something, you're welcome to come up front. Every hour, every moment.
Lord, I long to be your servant. I desire to be a blessing in your eye. In your eye. Words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. Pleasing to you. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, my God. You're my rock and my redeemer. You're the reason that I sing. I desire to be a blessing in your eyes. 